Our scripture this morning is from Matthew 2, 1 through 12, and 16 through 18. And if you wish to follow along, you may find it in the New Testament of your pew Bibles on page 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who was born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at the rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard him, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler, who is my shepherd, who is to shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. And he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. The word of God for the people of God. Join with me in prayer. We ask God for this holy word in front of us to become holy faith through us. Speak to us by the movement of your spirit and using all that is around us today. Let us not find distraction but purpose. Let us hear not casual words and reflections, but rather the insight that your word alone can bring. Speak to us, speak through us, and may the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts and minds be found acceptable in your sight. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Starting this Advent season, 
these four weeks of spiritual preparation for the birth of Christ with scripture that actually comes after his birth somehow seems appropriate to me this year. It's out of sequence. It's not where it ought to be in the story. We're not where we ought to be in the story. But that's okay. Christmas music has been on the radio since Halloween. Christmas sales began on what they are now calling Brown Thursday. I used to call it Thanksgiving. Uh, and someone two days ago told me with some glee in their voice that they already were done with their Christmas wrapping. We do not need an Xbox to live in a virtual world. Christmas is no longer limited to the 25th of December, to December, or actually to any month at all. Last night, the Hallmark Channel told me that Christmas is a year-round feeling. I expect soon we'll be able to buy Hallmark Christmas cards in any season of the year. So in light of the movement around the world and wanted being hip and sensitive to what other people are doing, I announced the following. The outdoor nativity that we had planned for this coming Wednesday has been moved to June 16th, so the shepherds will not get so cold. <laughs> the Salvation Army rainers will now ring instead of this next few weeks. It will begin to ring in April and in August, so as not to miss too many important games. Uh, we will have Christmas Eve services this month, yes, but instead of having everyone come to the church, we will be broadcasting them so you can stay at home and stay in your easy chair and watch them anytime you want. Or you can order the DVD for the Christmas Eve services and watch them in January if you don't have time till then. <laughs> On Christmas Eve, I will be here from 12 noon to 1245 if anybody wants to stop by and take communion on your way out to either last-minute shopping or family, whichever you need to do. Is that better for you? Of course, I have some people in the congregation right now who are in charge of those programs absolutely panicked. Well, we are not making those changes. All pre-Christmas and Christmas Eve events are going to be held at the time in which they are printed in the bulletin. It just seems that there's a temptation to go to Christmas and make it fit in to whatever life we're already living, to whatever we have time to accommodate for, and to what we want out of this season. It seems as though there's a need to make Christmas more convenient. Christmas plans have become less about planning around the birth of Jesus and more about planning around our schedules. It's almost as if the birth of Jesus and the timing of that has gotten in the way of our Christmas. Like it's a bad thing. Well, maybe King Herod had it right. King Herod gets very little attention in the Christmas story. We see three kings in bathrobes every year, but we never see the one who sent them. I expect that's because... Quite frankly, he is so horrible, so terrible, so despised, and does such a heinous act in the Christmas story that we want never to think of him or speak of him. He was self-centered. He was violent. 
and void of any moral compass other than his own ability to advance himself. He wanted power, he wanted control, and would not tolerate anything or anyone who got in his way, who appeared to be a threat to his own desires. Now you and I both know his sending of the wise men to Bethlehem was in no way an attempt to try to honor the Christ child, but rather to find out where this baby was so that he could kill the baby. He saw the baby as a threat to his kingly power. Consider that. He saw the birth of a baby in poverty and obscurity as a threat to who he was. Now that is someone who is either lost in delusion or gets it. For him, for Herod, Christmas was bad news. The announcement that Jesus was going to be born was not to be celebrated. It was to be pushed away and destroyed in any way, in any means possible. Herod wanted total control of his life. He wanted no other obligations other than the ones he wanted to choose for himself. And maybe he knew something about how intrusive an infant can be. If you've had one in your home, you know they can pretty well disrupt your world. And certainly, by what he did, this horrific massacre of infant children in an attempt to rid the world of this would-be savior, tells us the lengths to which he would go to make sure Christmas did not happen for him or for anyone. When the wise men do not return, being warned in a dream, we stop the story. We never finish the rest of that passage. In fact, even this week when I sent it to the office, they said, you really want that part printed? And I said, yes. The part we never read. The part that we never read at our own peril. We don't want to think about this much horrific, terrible, destructive, and life-ending action occurring this close to the manger. In a world where we have experienced so much violence, where we begin to turn on the TV and really get moved, unless it's a really massive killing, it is surprising for us that we would want to keep this so far away from the center of the Christmas story. But it's there. There's nothing sentimental about this part of the story. There's no ooing and cooing and warmth coming from a manger. Right in the center of the stage is this baby, but just off stage left is horrific violence ready to break in, and it did. The scripture that was omitted today was simply that part that talks about where Joseph was warned in a dream to take Jesus out of there, and they go to Egypt, which is Matthew's way of telling us why Jesus was not killed. So, Rick, why are you telling us this story as we begin our Advent celebration? Why do we even have to pause and deal with Herod? Well, for me, the fact that Herod is actually involved in the story is a very important point. For me to understand that in the Christmas story, Herod exists is a critical message for us today. You see, I don't think Herod's the only one who thinks that Christmas is bad news. To some extent, the world has figured out that Christmas is bad news. They've figured out that if we really buy into this story, I mean the real story, 
If we really take our time simply to live with the story that we find in the Scripture, we are forced to make some terrible, life-threatening, life-changing choices. We're going to be forced to decide whether we're going to let this infant be the ruler of our life. Or are we going to allow this infant to be the cause for increased sales or an opportunity to have more holiday and more parties? Why did this Jesus come? Well, for those of us who begin to sort of get the story, we recognize he came to upset our world. Herod had it right. He wasn't going to be able to do everything he wanted to do. He was going to be called to do things in a way in which he never wanted to do if this child were allowed to live and thrive and become his Lord. And so he slaughtered innocents. We had decided not to be that cruel, that obvious. Instead, we've decided to wrap Christmas up in sentimentality and Christmas magic. We decided that Christmas smells a lot like nutmeg, and we need to hear carols and see our loved ones and bask in the glow of the nearest 75% off sign. The real story of Christmas gets exchanged for the version that fits our fancy and priorities. That's why we can move it to another day if we wanted to. We can re-script it. And we discover that in all of our holiday hysteria, we really have the opportunity to get to January having not got real close to this baby. In some ways, Christmas comes off like bad news for us as well and for the world. In a, in a sermon written by Art Berry, he portrays King Herod saying it this way, I was right about one thing. That child is threatening. Make no mistake about it. You too are threatened by him. You have your realms of power in which you try to exert your own lordship, but you and Jesus both can't be lord. You make such a sentimental mush about Christmas, choirs and gift-giving, and Sunday school pageants and the like. But Christmas has a dangerous message. A new king has been born, and you must do one of two things with him. Worship him as lord, or quit the charade and force him out of your life. In light of this, I offer you this word. Herod is in the Christmas story. He was put in there intentionally. Matthew wanted you to know about him. Luke, Mark, and John omitted him. But Matthew wanted you to know about him. And I think he wanted you to know about him, not only so you have a historical reference, but for this reason too. Herod gets included in the story. As horrific as he is, he gets included in the story. As foolish as we are, as much as we live our lives trying to keep Christmas void of any acknowledgement of the birth of the Lordship of Jesus Christ in our life, we get to be included in the story. If Herod can be in the Christmas story, so can be a lost generation of 21st century Americans who have not figured out that it's about the baby because the baby has figured out that Christmas is about them. The baby in the story has figured out that he came into the world for all people, including Herod. 
including those of us who aren't quite sure we want to take a new baby into our life, including those of us who are not quite sure we want to get that close to a Christmas that is that real, so that in 2014 we actually live our life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, guess what? The baby comes for us too. Because this baby came into the world not expecting everybody to be celebrating his arrival. He came in because the arrival was celebrating the world that God was about to claim. This baby is born into the world so that you and I can have a Christmas in 2013 where once again we get to make the choice. How will we take this baby into our life this year? You're given that choice. It doesn't matter how you chose last year. Doesn't matter how hard you work to keep that decision from being really in the center of your being because the baby has come back. You're going to keep coming back and keeps coming back. Now, for those of us who want sentiment in our Christmas, who like the smell of nutmeg, it's okay. We need sentiment. We need schmaltz. We need love. We need a holiday where people can fall in love. That's okay. But we need a baby in the midst of all of it so we can embrace the real gifts of life that will teach us what love really can be, that moves us from sentiment to inner peace, that moves us from holiday festival to holy community, that moves us from singing on the street corner peace on earth, goodwill towards men to be in the hands of feet and cre- of Christ throughout the world making it happen. Christmas is bad news for everybody who really doesn't want the full implication of peace on earth. But for those who do, and for those who will, the baby comes again. And you've got four weeks from this moment, 24 days to get ready. You know what Herod did. What will you do? And will Christmas Day be the day when you allow a baby to take over? Amen.